There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Welcome back to the Agency Freedom Podcast. This is where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. We are on all the podcast platforms and special welcome to you watching us on our YouTube channel. We have seven or eight episodes that are now live on YouTube and we're trying to drop those a day or so early to incentivize people to make their way over to the old YouTube channel. You can find us there. The James Jenkins is the name of the channel. Some other guy who hasn't posted in like eight years has simply James Jenkins, but I'm the James Jenkins. You'll find us on YouTube here. Our guest for this episode is Mr. Caden Braley of the Braley Insurance Group, as well as a nice little tech consulting firm. You guys have called Agents Tech. Caden, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's not very often that I get to talk with someone who is very local to uh, where we are here in McKinney, Texas. You guys actually have an office of Braley Insurance Group about mm, seven minutes that way. So, yeah. small world, man. What's going on uh, for for you this week, this month? What, what's what's shaking right now in your life? And then we'll get into all the backstory and the biography stuff here in just a second. What are you up to right now? Yeah, um, traveling a bunch, going a lot. Going up to Pittsburgh in a couple of weeks for a Bold Penguin agency council meeting. Going to New York City with my wife to meet some friends. So traveling somewhere about every week. I just actually just pulled in uh, my the office that I headquarter out of is in uh, College Station. So I just drove back from McKinney this morning. Mm. Traveling a bunch. I went to the Rangers game last night, which was quite disappointing. But we uh, yeah we're doing a lot. We're trying to manage a hard market right now. It's being a majority Texas agency. Uh, just trying to come up with some strategies to help mitigate customer price increases of 40% on average. Uh, so that's been a little bit of a difficulty, but we're we're managing it quite well. You know, we're going to talk some about the hard market in this episode for sure. Uh, let me just ask one of those leading questions right now. You know, when you're having those hard market conversations, when you're talking about renewal increases, you know, what is maybe one thing? Right now, we'll get into some more details here in a little bit. What's your favorite thing to make that process suck just a little bit less? Everybody has their own take on it. What is your favorite way to get into that and and try to decrease the damage uh, with those renewal notices? I think one of the things that we've started doing in the last couple of months is a proactive shopping of insurance. So we get to the customer even before the renewal comes out and prepare them for what's to come. Uh, 
So usually renewals come out anywhere from 30 to 60 days, depending on the carrier. Um, so the average we've seen is about 45 days. So we'll call them ahead of time or even we, majority of what we do is email just because we have so many customers. We couldn't call every single renewal every single day. Um, and we just prep them to say, hey, you're probably going to see a number in the mail or, you know, if you get an email or in the paper mail that you're not going to like. Um, that number is on average looking at 35 to 50 percent of what increase it compared to what you're currently paying. And when they see that and they get it in the mail, it helps our reputation because they were prepared for it. Uh, we still have those people that don't read their emails, that don't pick up their phones, don't answer their text messages, that call us angry. Um, and they say, hey, well, we sent you an email and texted you and you didn't respond. So, you know, that's that. We can start the shopping process. Uh, we tried to mitigate that a little bit if we can. Uh, hmm. The other thing that I like to see in terms of actually reshopping policies that have increased is giving laying it all on the table for people. Um, our CEO, Mark, he actually drafted a full email that he sent to a customer about what's going on in the market that can actually uh, and educates them while also telling them what we can do to help them at the same time. Because this guy, he was really angry. Uh, he said, you know, your company's terrible. This is terrible business practice. You know, it's like he responded saying, hey, you know, thanks for your concern. We don't really make the prices at all. Even if we wanted to change the prices, we can't uh, in terms of personal lines. And Mark sent him three three th different links to non-biased, non-insurance um, articles that were telling about the insurance market. So this guy was like, okay, well, it's not gonna, uh, a biased insurance bro insurance carrier that's telling me why things are so expensive. Uh, that's that's one of those things. And then the thing that I've done and instructed a couple of our uh, brokers to do as well is to actually list out every single carrier, every every single carrier you quoted and the premium that you got, the full annual premium. That way the, the customers can see, oh, they've shot me with travelers and nationwide. Well, not really nationwide, but nationwide uh, travelers and progressive and ASI and all these different things to kind of say, hey, we did every single thing that we could. We have access to probably the most carriers of any personal lines agency in the area. Sometimes all we can say is there's literally no better option. You can try State Farm if you'd like or Farmers, but other than that, we've literally hit every single market we can. So at the end of the day, there's not a lot that we can do, but we try to help them as best we can. Yeah, I mean, it, the hard market is inescapable for personal lines, for sure, for small commercial. Yeah. And even for, you know, not small commercial in, in property and and even GL and excess to a certain extent, property and auto seem to be the hardest hit. Uh, yeah. We still have workers' compensation doing its thing <laughs> out there, seeing rate decreases. And I love me some work comp. There, there's so much that the insured can do to control their cost there. But in, I I got to think work comp, the, the bell is going to ring there uh, before too long because it, it's not immune forever. It's just a lot more insulated than some of these, you know, algorithm and black box driven policy lines. So right. uh, we'll get into some more about that here in a little bit. I'd love to circle back with you, man. What, what is the, the Caden Braley story? Your dad's in insurance. So are you born yeah. and raised in the industry? Yeah, born and raised um, up until my senior year of college, told myself I'd never go into insurance. Um, I grew up seeing, you know, my dad have to deal with difficult customers all the time. He loved his job, but there were some people that I've heard of, you know, just stories he would tell me that I'm like, ah, I do not want to do that at all. And then um, COVID happened. And then I 
uh, I had an internship with a medical device company that was going to turn it already was a, uh, about to turn into a full-time job and they cut it and just said, Hey, we can't afford to pay you um, at all. Sorry. And so I was left with really nothing um, from the 1st of July, 2020 to the end of July. I didn't have any work, nothing to do. And so my dad said, Hey, I know this is tough. Just come work for me part-time, you know, do marketing stuff, do stuff that's not non-licensed based work. Started doing that, started to kind of like it a little bit. And I was like, okay, this isn't what I thought it was at all. And as of, uh, once I graduated, I came on full-time and I've been doing it ever since. And since then I started two more companies as well of my own that are uh, starting to gain traction. And it's, uh, I'm kind of glad that I came into insurance during this market because hopefully it levels out one day and then I can just say, Oh, this is, you know, this is easy. We, you know, this is nothing like it used to be. So that's, yeah. that's pretty much it. Just traveling a bunch, going to different conferences and different meetings across the country. And that's about it. So you've been in the industry about three years, maybe a little bit more. And the only industry you've ever known is COVID and then a super, super hard market. Yep. You know, I, that's right. I got to say, man, I'm a little bit jealous. I know it sounds crazy to say it, but you don't know anything other than really hard insurance industry dealing with all of the disruption and instability of the, the COVID years of the carriers figuring out what in the world they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then a super hard market brought on by inflation, by geopolitical challenges, et cetera. The only way you've ever seen it is hard. So when this passes, as it inevitably will, like every hard market does, the adjustments will take effect and things will get easier. Capacity will reopen. Underwriting guidelines will soften up. You know, access will will come back. Pricing will come down relative to coverage. And the people that have survived and thrived during a historically hard market are going to be the ones that are gobbling up market share and yeah. having more than mer- their fair share of success. So bravo, man. I, I love Thanks. that uh, that you came in when you did. It's a, it's a real blessing in disguise. And I think you probably realize that. Yeah. it's There's about a month or two when I was like, okay, you know, the, the prices were decent. Like right after I came on full time, there was a couple of times I sold some home policies that were like $1,200 for a 2,500 square foot house or something like that. In wow. like That's adorable. Austin. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, in like Austin, uh, brand new construction, new roof. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like outskirts of Austin into College Station into San Antonio, and then um, most recently, uh, something that affected close to home was my actual auto insurance went up forty seven percent, and I've had like everybody else, no wrecks, no tickets, no nothing, and I said. I, that honestly, I use that, and I tell customers when they call in angry. Is I said, "Hey, I understand what you're ta- what you're saying. My auto insurance just went up forty seven percent, and there's nothing that I can really do about it at all." And that kind of shuts them up a little bit because they're like, "Oh, this is not just this is not just me that they're focusing on to try to you know get me. It's literally everyone." It really is, and I don't think we're anywhere near where we need to be on rate in a lot of these classes. You know, there's actuarial justification for significant increases even beyond what we're seeing right now based on mm-hmm. loss frequency and severity. And obviously that message does not play well with the policyholders. So I can say that to you, but I'm not saying it's our insureds, of course. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think we're near the finish of this. I, from what I can see and hear from you know carriers and wholesalers we work with, it's, it's probably at least another year, if not a year and a half, you know, yeah. second 
probably uh, towards the, the middle of 2025, it seems from what I, I hear from folks, if, if we're able to avoid a, a, a major catastrophe on the Gulf Coast or wildfires and, and hailstorms that are out of the norm, then it looks like by 25, we, we probably are heading back in a good direction. Is that, is that what you're hearing with all the folks that you're involved with at, at Bold Penguin and, uh, and your agency? Yeah, we're looking, I'd say, uh, I actually just got a call with Mark, our CEO, um, a couple hours ago, and he said he talked to a few upper level people at some top, top 20 insurance carriers, and they said they're even looking at like two years, potentially. They tend to tell tell the principals a lot more than they do, obviously, than just the average producer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, year and a half to two years is what we're seeing of the hard market. Um I've seen a lot of agents, you know, as we consult with some on with agents tech, with some technology, we also do with, with that comes more business and tech consulting. And so we help them with like carriers, trying to find the best carriers for them. We've seen a lot of people, including our own agency, try to shift away from property, um, try to shift more towards large scale GL, sometimes commercial auto, and even going into other states. That's probably what we've seen is going to be the most effective way to diversify your portfolio as an agency that if you're a personal lines only agent in texas you're struggling right now you are struggling like i cannot tell you the importance of developing another state if you can like a low claim state like utah or idaho or tennessee or something like that where you can get a non-resident license fairly easy and just ask your carriers to get appointed and majority of them will do that because they want that um, they want that exposure in those non-claim states because they still want the revenue from the premium, but they don't want the claim exposure. So yep. we tell we tell our uh, sales managers at you know different carriers, hey, we're moving into Pennsylvania, or we'll, we just opened in Pennsylvania, we're moving into Illinois or Ohio, and they're like, heck yes, here you go, have fun. Um, so that's what we're seeing. It's rough. But if we can, as an industry, if we can start to diversify where we do business a little bit, carriers will probably be more willing to be lenient on underwriting requirements and you know rate increases over time. Geographic clustering is a huge problem for a lot of carriers, especially in sensitive lines of business like property and and auto on on the fleet side more than just individual yeah. auto. So I echo that, Freedom Jumper, you listener out there, if you're able to get yourself a non-res license somewhere that has decent premium uh, but doesn't have direct cat exposure like stay away from hail country stay away from california and colorado and gulf coast states but if you're looking to write business in ohio or tennessee or indiana or you know like uh, like caden said i personally i love the state of arizona they have good yep. premiums they have good you know the government the regulatory side of things are pretty easy to deal with and there's basically no cats of any kind. They don't really have wildfires because it's all a bunch of dirt and tumbleweeds out there. Yeah. They don't have hail. They don't have coastal exposure. Uh, all they have is massively awful heat. Uh, so, yeah. But as my friends in Phoenix say, but it's a dry heat, which makes it somehow <laughs> better. But I think when you have uh, 31 days in a row of at least 110 degrees for a high, it doesn't matter how dry the heat is. It's 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 going to be a doozy. Yeah. So, so Caden, talk to me about your experience with Agents Tech. You got into the industry less than three years ago. Let me play devil's advocate for just a second and say, yep. what in the world do you think you're doing consulting agents when you just got here? 
you just got to the industry. What's the motivation? What's the credibility that you bring to the conversation for advising agents on, on technology? And being a little facetious, I'm yeah. not actually like challenging your credibility yeah. directly like that. But a lot of people that, that see that you've only been in the industry a short amount of time, they're probably going to say, what am I supposed to learn from this kid? What's your answer to that question? Yeah, I've been asked it many times before. I had to grow a beard and keep it on there so people take me a little bit more seriously. The The biggest thing that I say is that insurance technology is not hard to become an expert in it. It's not very advanced. I, I say this with all kindness in the world to all of our tech partners out there. The the technology in under industry, other industries is far more advanced and more difficult to learn and to grasp. Over the last three years, I have gone on over 120 different uh, technology demos with different companies to see, okay, what's out there? Because there's so many things out there, but there's not a lot of, you can't, it's hard to narrow down, okay, what is for an insurance broker, a PNC or life and health insurance broker? You can get a lot of stuff for MGAs, a lot of stuff for carriers, a lot of stuff for different distribution partners. But in terms of the insurance brokerage, PNC, you know, anywhere from just started an agency all the way up to the multi-million dollar brokerages that we know of, it's hard to pinpoint those. So I've been on tons and tons of demos and the companies that we find within, uh, that we find are going to be applicable to our specific industry, we add them onto our agency, Brawley Insurance Group, as a vendor. And when we do that as a vendor, we can vet them and say, hey, when, when I offer this to my agents tech clients, I can say, I've actually already used this. Like our agency mm. is using this. There's been some tech, you know, some insure tech companies that we've used that have been terrible. Um, I'll, you know, be straight up honest. I'm not going to name any names, but that we have offboarded because of the either lack of customer service, the lack of the user usability, I'll say that word, usability, user interface for customers, or just what they said that they did versus what they actually do actually did in the actual process don't add up. Like it, you know, mm -hmm. it's a lemon. And we've gone through that with literally hundreds of technology companies. Now these are not all specific to insurance. You know, they may it may be a video call, a video recording that you can send a, a proposal to or a proposal tool or a you know, sales software that's a non-insurance-based CRM, uh, not like Agency Zoom or or Varuna or something like that, but something mm -hmm. that's more industry agnostic. And we've gone through yeah. every single one. And if we find one that we're say, hey, you've piqued my interest of of this demo that we had, we bring them on board, we try them, we go through what we call our agents tech trial phase, and if they pass that phase, then we will add them on as a vendor to offer to our clients. And just mm -hmm. going through every single major vendor on the market. I've seen them all. I've literally seen them all. A lot of people know my name or sometimes maybe don't like me, but I, I don't really care. Uh, so that's, that's, my, that's my credibility is I've been on more vendor calls and more demos with technology companies than I think probably anyone in, in the country. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the elephant in the room. Uh, Steve Anderson is a partnership with the big eye at a national level uh, with, with Catalyst, which is uh, another vendor in your space. And I asked you the question before we started recording because I feel like it, I wouldn't be doing my job as an interviewer if I didn't say, how are you guys differentiating yourselves for, from, from the, the dominant market presence that has very big name collaboration behind it? Like the big eye, I mean... They're the big guy. I mean, it's 
it, it's it's an uphill climb to show people, hey, this is an option that most people have heard of in the space when it comes to technology consulting in the insurance industry. You have a very distinct difference that you are putting in front of the people that are considering doing business with Agents Tech. You want to talk about that for a little bit? Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. Yeah, so I actually heard Steve Anderson speak at a, uh, our agency just joined Keystone, so I got to hear him speak at a, the national conference. So yep. I didn't, I wasn't able to speak with him, but from what I've seen of what Catalyst does is a lot of wide range of offerings in more of a subscription-based model. So, you know, you mm -hmm. can jump on a webinar and learn about something, or you can, it's a low, a low price option for a lot of different agents to go in and to find something. Now, in terms of if you actually want to implement that into your agency from a non-biased perspective, you, you have to get Catalyst Consulting, which they do have to offer. That's all the Agents Tech does is one-on-one, -on -one, almost like management style consulting to insurance brokerages on the uh, technology side. So we don't do any, hey, jump on this webinar and you know listen to this guy speak. Um, we are going to make a full-fledged plan from A to Z about what you need to do for your agency based on your niche, you know, what you, how your agency runs, who's your client market. For example, if you have a clientele that is solely based off of, you know, a little bit of a older, maybe retirement level aged crowd, probably not going to offer you glove box for an app because your customers are not going to probably use that. They may, but if you have a Kind of like what you have with uh, with Riskwell, I think mm -hmm. that's your company, yeah. right? Riskwell, with Riskwell, that might be a fantastic option. As Glovebox has started to revamp their commercial side yeah. of their business, of their app, that your customers would love because you're a digital-based agency uh, that is completely digital, and that could help offboard some of the customer service side for COIs, auto ID cards for commercial auto, yeah. things like that. Uh, that would take that off of you and put it on Glovebox to help you uh, run your business better. So yeah. that's kind of what we do. And, and you, you you picked a winner there for sure. I'm a huge fan yeah. of Glovebox and, you know, Ryan and Andy and 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 Seth, uh, Sean, not Seth. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sean, I don't know why I called you Seth, but th those three guys run an amazing company and, and we've been customers of Glovebox for a couple yeah. of years now. I was very eager to see the commercial support and they finally released uh, but as Ryan said, they yeah. want to make sure they got it right, not getting it out to market quickly. It's kind of the old uh, iPhone versus Android approach. Android's like, Bleh, let me just give you 12 different phones and we'll throw a bunch of things against the wall and see what sticks. And, you know, iPhone might get the same feature a year or two or three later. But when they do, it's, exactly. it's perfection. 
So, there, you know, it sounds like you're interested in helping people achieve the right fit, not necessarily the fast fit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do a full breakdown of an agency before we even get to the point of offering any sort of technology solution. So from our initial consultation to the actual time that we start pitching, hey, here are our recommendations based off of what we found. It's a probably a two week, two to three week process because we have mm. the basic information, you know, the tangibles, what's your premium, what's your revenue, who's your niche market. Then we go into the marketing kind of side of, hey, who are you targeting on a daily basis? What does your current insurance, insurance tech stack look like? And then we get to the recommendations based off of that. So we don't really offer any sort of vendor webinars or, um, Things like that is solely one-on-one, either face-to-face or Zoom-to-Zoom, you know, kind of consulting. Uh, we, we try to model what we do based off of like the uh, McKinsey, uh, the BCG, those kind of management, those high-level consulting processes. Yeah, that makes sense. It's smart. What's the story with Innovative Risk? What's, uh, what's that? That's, I see something different on your LinkedIn, different logo. What's going on? Yeah, there? yeah. Innovative Risk is a uh, insurance consulting firm. So, what kind of sparked that is there was a, a time period where I lost a crazy amount of prospects to, be honest, crappy, crappy insurance policies that they just found on price. Right? They just sold on price. These were six-figure level uh, middle market accounts that I lost. That they sent me the policy after they already moved forward with it. I pointed out like seven or eight different, you know, exclusions that would be sig- like really, really bad for them if they had a claim on this, on on that certain exclusion, and it just got me thinking. I was like, okay, there are agents out there that all they care about is the dollar. They all they care about is their commission check uh, every two weeks, and they don't care about the customer. They don't care about if the customer has a claim, you know, a claim or not. There's some agencies where. All they do is sell. And if there's a claim, they don't even talk to the agent. The agent's not held accountable to that. Now, on the back end reporting of, you know, okay, what's the claim payout per producer? They may get, you know, held accountable there. But a lot of principal agents, all they want is revenue in the door. Now, depending on which aggregator you go to or network, they manage your your loss ratio. Mm -hmm. But all that being said, I said, there's got to be somebody that acts on behalf of the agent uh, on the customer because insurance is complex it is it is not uh, you know when you get into middle middle market or large market commercial enterprise level commercial accounts there are hundreds of pages worth of coverages and exclusions and endorsements that as an agent you have to know or else your customer could be held liable and when you have some agents that are improperly trained to do that the customer is the one that pays the price for that. And the customer always pays the price for that. So innovative risk is, I like to call it the buyer's agent side of insurance. So in the real estate, when you're buying a home, you have a seller's agent and a buyer's agent. Right now as insurance brokers uh, selling the carrier's product, we act as seller's agents. Innovative risk is a buyer's agent. We get paid a flat fee, no matter how large or small the premium is. Mm that the, the company is working with, and we help them manage the renewal process the entire way. We actually become their fractional chief insurance officer. And we say, hey, we will be the point of contact for your insurance broker. And we will either, according to what you want to do, we can shop it for you with different insurance brokers that have 
a niche market that we know of, say if it's a electrical contractor, we can go to an agent that I know that only does electrical contractors of a certain size. And that is his go-to. I trust him with everything electrical contractor. Um, and then we also prevent agents from blocking markets because in my day-to-day and -day my normal, you know, Brawley Insurance Group job, I just went up against a, another agent, a decent sized brokerage uh, in the East Texas area that uh, blocked 35 different markets that, um, you know, when I went to the, the guy and I, he said, hey, do you have a quote? I said, honestly, no, your agent put, you know, blocked every single market available. I can't even tell you if you were having the best deal that you could. Mm. And so we go to these agents that we're working with and say, hey, this is a six figure account. If you're going to get paid 10, 20, 30, $40,000 in commission on this account, you're going to work for it and you are going to make sure you do your due diligence. So we have say, hey, agent A, you can quote these three markets. Agent B, you can quote these four markets. Agent C, you can quote these two markets and they compete. You know, it is a competition based of, of quoting. Yep. And then after we find the best one, I go back in with my insurance knowledge, review the policy, say, hey, this is a really bad exclusion. I want that off. Um, hey, we if you go ahead and the the um, the owner gave me the go ahead to move forward, if you can get 11 percent off of the of the premium right now, if you can do that right now, we'll pull the trigger and go with you. Um, so it's really holding agents accountable for the job that they're supposed to be doing mm -hmm. that over the past you know decades, agents have gotten relaxed. They've they have not done their job got paid so much in commission, you know, 10, 20, 30, $40,000, but they don't do the work necessary to maintain that account. And then the customer pays for it. So in all, I know that was a bunch. That's what Innovative Risk does. Makes sense. Yeah. You're, you're just operating as a, a contracted consultant uh, for the, the insurance process. And there's an entire sub-industry of consultants. Yep. My friend Charles Specht out of Tennessee, that's his entire gig. Can I ask a couple of questions yeah. there? I'd love to better understand kind of what you're up to there. Yeah, he's actually, Charles Specht is actually the the one that got me into it. Oh, sweet. Small world. Yeah. So how, yeah. Uh, this is something that Charles and I have spoken about because I've toyed around with the idea of doing some consulting for the, the accounts that for whatever reason are not a good fit for us or are not willing to sign a broker of record because they have a great relationship with the incumbent. We're still, yeah. I'm still toying with the idea. I don't want to be distracted, which is the main reason why I haven't done it to this point. One of the things that Charles and I 100% agree on is the difficulty of perceived potential conflict of interest when the same party is acting both as consultant, but also as prospective broker of record. How are you guys communicating right. to the marketplace how that is not something that the the buyer of an insurance product should be concerned about where it's like, Hey, by the way, we'd love to be your broker of record, but if you don't want us as broker of record here, we'll be your consultant instead. Like how are you approaching that with these insurance? Yeah, it's in my contract. I just, I totally have a line item that says, Hey, as a, uh, in entering into this contract, I will never be your insurance broker just out of a prevention of conflict of interest. So cool. that is that. And then after the fact, just out of the goodness of my heart, I don't want to, you know, say, oh, you know, oh, we couldn't do the the uh, innovative risk work, the consulting work. So, hey, I could be your broker. Um, that just that rubs me the wrong mm -hmm. way because it's it's kind of like manipulating a customer. Yep. I don't want to do that. So, no, in the I'm, in I'm the not I'm not pointing aspect, my finger here at, at all at you. I'm I'm more just asking because of curiosity. 
At what yeah. point do you decide and how do you decide if a, an account of a, a company is a better fit for you to prospect as an insurance broker, as Raleigh Insurance Group versus as a, a potential consulting client at, under innovative risk? What's the, the calculus that you guys use that, that you personally use for one or the other or neither? Yeah, I mean, just for conflict of interest between innovative risk and Brawley insurance, totally two separate LLCs. Oh yeah, there for sure. Two separate companies. No, I'm just asking about your go-to-market approach and how you figure out for yourself, oh, gotcha. okay. do I want to prospect this person to be their insurance broker or do I want to prospect this person to be their consultant? Like, How does that process work for you? It's all about a niche market. It's all about niche market. So if I have someone that is um, an electrical contractor, innovative risk, I kind of take them as a Raleigh Insurance Group customer because we do that really, really well if we can. EMC, right? If we have some... Hmm? EMC is your preferred carrier for that, I'm guessing? It, it depends. We actually don't write EMC. Um, we're about to acquire an agency that that does. But, okay, cool. Sorry. When I hear yeah, electrical yeah. contractor, the first carrier I think of is EMC. Yeah, EMC. Yeah. They're, they're very, very good. We uh, They are not appointing in Texas anymore. We found that out the hard way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, I took you off sides there. Carry no, on. You're good. It depends on what Brawley Insurance Group does. We do contractors, electrical artisan contractors, really, really well. We do auto service really, really well. We do non-commercial construction of, of buildings really, really well. We do lesser's risk really well. That's our bread and butter. If it's anything outside of that, or it's a a level that we, our agency, cannot control, like like say it's multi-millions of dollars worth of premium that our agency literally does not have the capital or the resources on hand to actually service and to provide a good quality to, then I may take it to innovative risk. I always make sure that within what I'm doing, it's, you know, going to be a profitable thing for Raleigh Insurance Group first. Mm -hmm. That's first and foremost, because that pays my bills. So I want to make sure that I'm loyal to that first. Um, but innovative risk is something that I'm like, okay, this guy, um, you know, he does manufacturing. Mm, we don't have the carriers to do manufacturing at Brawley Insurance Group, but I know a lot about manufacturing personally. So that would be something that I would take to innovative risk. Mm. But also our go-to-market strategies within Brawley Insurance is really different. Brawley Insurance really focuses more on small business commercial. That is, you know, quick turnarounds, Virtually no underwriter, underwriter hang Automated approval like and stuff like that. Yeah, automated yeah. approval, core carriers, nationwide travelers, progressive, Liberty Mutual, Hartford. Those are a go-to for that, for Brawley Insurance Group. Innovative risk is more large-scale, accord form-based, heavy underwriter approval, six-month timeline kind of gotcha. business work. Makes sense. Yeah, you just... I'll say this for someone to use innovative risk for their small commercial account under, I'd say $120,000 in premium, it's not going to be beneficial to them because the ability for underwriters to approve large discounts on policies is lower in the small commercial than in the middle market account. No. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's one of the main reasons why I haven't really given serious thought to being a consultant is we really dominate in that 20 to or 25 to 100 space and premium. I operate and think in terms of revenue. So for us, it's that from five to 25 in thousand in, in revenue, yeah. that, that five to 25 is ideal. If you could give me just rinse and repeat in that five to 25 window, man, I'll be the happiest guy on earth. I don't want to go after the really big stuff. 
I sure don't want to go after the really small stuff, but that five to 25 window, you don't see yeah. a lot of consultants in that window. You don't see a lot of, no. you certainly don't see a lot of alphabet shops near the top of that range. You'll see junior producers at the, at the alphabet shops, but generally you're going up against local or regional offices. And I like my odds of going up against somebody like that in one of our target verticals. So good for you, man. I'm really glad to see that you've got different bullets to fire as the analogy goes, you know, depending on what the, what the target is. The only question I, I ever have when I see somebody wearing two hats is I've been on the receiving end of some consultants and several of them have been current agents, um, you know, under different organizations. And it's like, what are you trying to pull, man? Like you're a giant pain in the ass to work with. And you also are a producer for a brokerage. Like, are you trying to get me out of the way so you can come in here and take the account? And, you know, that's, that's been a question I've asked myself a few times when I see someone who's operating both as a consultant. And then I look them up, I Google them, I LinkedIn them. And I'm like, this son of a gun's a producer at a retail shop. Can you believe this guy? Yeah. So I'm glad that you have really clear lines that are drawn. I'd be curious yeah. to hear how you communicate that to the, the retail agents that are competing for the business for these accounts that you're representing as a consultant. Yeah. But maybe you haven't uh, figured that out yet. This consultant thing is only, what, three months old, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty new. Uh, I have a few clients, but the uh, I've, I've actually had this question recently. And it said, all I say is, you know, can't pull anything Ask me. I know exactly what you do because I do it on a daily basis. Yeah. Like I know all the crap that people try to pull. I, we've had agents in the past at our agency that have tried to pull the crap that other agents try to pull on their customers. So why not consult on the thing that you know the best? Yeah. That's exactly what I do. So it's like to be a consultant, you have to be either know the industry really, really well or have been in it. But the best case scenario is also someone that is actually in that industry to be a consultant. Why not? Because I know all the all the things that are happening. I know if Nationwide is non-renewing the bottom 20% of their business. Why? And you, you can't tell me, hey, mm, that's not right. I, I know what's happening because I talked to our sales manager Nationwide a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Like you're lying. Or you say, hey, this carrier, you know, an age a broker comes to, to me and says, hey, this carrier just did not want to write this or say, hey, we couldn't find a market for this. And I said, yeah, you can. I just wrote one two weeks ago. Yeah. You're not doing your job right. So it's going to hold agents to a level of work where they actually have to work for their work for the account. Those, but those agents that work for the account will be agents with that client for years to come. Yeah. That's, that's the agents that I want for my clients are the ones that are saying, I'm going to work so hard on this. I do not care how long it takes me, but I'm going to make sure that I do my job because other industries do not cannot get away with the low level of work that insurance producers can do and make the amount of money that they do. It just doesn't happen. You can't tell a guy on Wall Street to work as much as some insurance brokers do. He wouldn't. He'd be fired in a couple of days if if he did that. Yeah. So it's just holding the insurance industry in the brokerage retail brokers to a higher standard. Hmm. Man, I love a higher standard. Lord knows I have said on this podcast many times that the bottom 20 or 30% of retail agents should be unceremoniously discharged from the industry because they're just mediocre or even bad or worse, yeah. completely clueless and asleep at the wheel. And I haven't talked to their clients in, in weeks or months and they're getting paid for something that they haven't done. So I'm all about exactly. uh, people like you 
raising the bar for these accounts. So you know, bravo, man. I love that. Thanks. We have run through my questions. I, I don't have any other questions right now, man. I feel like we've done a good job circling the wagons. A as we land the plane, Caden, and first off, sorry I messed up your last name there. And that's not Braley. It's Brawley. No, I appreciate right. that. You're gracious <laughs> there. Anything else you want to talk about before we uh, land this plane and get you and I back to our afternoon? Not really. Just the, I'd say the the market, people have got to adjust how they prospect customers, especially in Texas, Florida, Colorado, California. You have to adjust. You cannot continue the way that you have been over the last couple of years. You have to be, you have to be innovative. You have to think, do I go to another state? Do I get rid of personal and do commercial only? Do I, maybe for some agents, maybe it's their time to retire. Maybe it's their time to just say, hey, I've had a good run. It's probably time to get out while I still can yeah. and just call it a day. Or if you don't want to get out yet, but you're tired of the grind, then someone like me and probably someone like Brawley Insurance Group is sitting here going, let's have the merger and acquisition conversation. As we're, yeah. I mean, Riskwell is looking for the right opportunities to acquire, to roll in. If somebody came in today and said, hey, let's merge, I'm going to have that conversation and see if it makes sense. And there's a lot of folks out there that are ready to buy because they're in growth mode and they see this as a huge opportunity. So I think you're right on target, man. Even the folks that are saying, you know what, I, I, I'm not happy. I, I just don't want to quit quite yet. Well, maybe you should look yeah. and see if there's an M&A opportunity in your area that makes sense. Yeah. And one last thing on M&A, this is something that recently I've come in, I've noticed if someone comes to you, if a big name firm comes to you and says, hey, we want to buy you out, but you have to stay on for five years after that and work to maintain that book of business, you know, the whole buyout period, mm -hmm. you do not have to go through with that. There are other options out there so that if you're if you're older and you say, hey, I want to call it quits or, you know, I don't want to work any any longer. There are agencies out there, preferably the ones that are like small to medium size that will purchase you right out. Yeah. They're out there. You do not have, I would recommend getting multiple offers on the table from some small, medium, and large agencies or private equity firms yep. and compare the contracts because there was one gentleman that we talked to recently. There were a large PE firm came and said he was in his upper, you know, he was older at retirement age. You know, they offered me a couple million dollars for my agency, but it was a six year buyout. And if I didn't maintain that book, they would completely pull the offer and I'd be left with nothing. And I said, no, you don't have to do that. That's that's awful. No. So that was the last thing I wanted to say. I feel like maybe there's somebody out there that need to hear that. We have had a lot of M&A chatter on the podcast here. Literally yesterday, as we record this, we was talking with Colby Allen, who works at Kerry Wallace's firm, yep. Agency Focus. Colby and I had a, a rather lengthy chat on the M&A subject. That, that episode will come out probably a week or two before yours does. So for those of you that are listening in the future, for starters, I'm jealous because you know who wins the World Series this year. You know, by the time this episode <laughs> drops in December, we already know who hoisted that trophy. And I really hope it wasn't the Astros. I would almost take any of the other three teams. Certainly, I prefer the Rangers winning the World Series, but I would take the Phillies or the Diamondbacks over the Astros. As long as they don't win, it's a good year as far as I'm concerned. So... <laughs> What's the best way for someone to reach out to you if they want to connect, Cater? Yeah, I have like five or six different emails. Uh, so the best thing would just be message me on LinkedIn. You can just search Caden, C-A-D-E-N. Last name is Brawley. Be like boy, R-A-L-Y. I'll, I'll show you're, up You're there. easy to find there. On LinkedIn. 
Awesome. Yeah, easy to find there. Well, he is Caden Brawley, not Braley, and he is in College Station, Texas, the principal at Innovative Risk and a, a leader at the Brawley Insurance Group in McKinney. And this has been another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Catch me on LinkedIn, or you can drop me a line at james at jamesjenkins.com. If there's anything I can help you with, if you have any comments or suggestions, you know where to find us. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Let's go.